1: Welcome back. It is the NFC East Mixtape presented in partnership by Bleeding Green Nation. vlogging the boys. You're home for the best coverage of the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you're home for the best everything in the world, really. He is Brandon Lee Gowden of BGN, a.k.a. BLG. I am RJ Ochoa of BTB, a.k.a. r to the j Lots of initials, lots of acronyms. BLG, how's your day
2: gone? Uh, RJ, actually, I don't necessarily think that's exactly important. I think that's HIPAA.
1: I was- I I don't know why I didn't anticipate this. Um <laughs> also an acronym, by the way, uh HIPAA is um yeah, I mean, look,
2: I don't just, I don't have RJ with a just you know a really big surprise from the off the top rope immediately just to begin the podcast. So I know you yeah. appreciate that.
1: Um I don't have anything to offer on that. Dak mm-hmm. Prescott, for anyone who's unaware, uh was asked last week if he has been vaccinated. He said that he was choosing not to divulge that information, that he believes that it was HIPAA, um, or you know, that the asking of it violated HIPAA laws, um, I think was Dak's point. And the Internet proceeded to educate everybody on exactly what HIPAA is. Were you fully aware of all the HIPAA intricacies before that moment, PLG?
2: Uh, no, I really never have <laughs> been. I think anyone who claims they are isn't telling the full truth. Because I feel like a good amount of people who cite HIPAA probably can't tell you what it stands for. I can't tell you what it stands for off the top of my head right now without looking it up or having looked it up. Um, So, yeah, I remember it came up. It was obviously a big topic back when uh, Adam Schefter tweeted out the picture of Uh, what? JPP. Also another acronym. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Interesting. Well, um, we are going to talk about the state of every team as training camps are beginning. The Eagles have not begun quite yet. Right, BLG?
2: They began, so they're reporting today. I think most teams in the NFL are right. reporting Tuesday, July twenty seventh, or at, at the, if not most, the the last of the teams who are reporting are reporting today, July twenty seventh, as we're recording this, and then their first practice will be tomorrow, like the Eagles, uh, Wednesday, July twenty eighth.
1: Interesting. So the Cowboys have been at camp for about a week now. Everybody else catching up. Obviously they play in the pro football hall of fame game. This episode's going out on Wednesday, July 28th. So that game eight days from now, we are that close to football BLG. Um, wow. I didn't want to start with the Cowboys, but, and this wasn't on our rundown uh, and be, shout out to BLG. I had a very busy morning uh, and BLG was the goat as usual. Uh, also another acronym. It's a big acronym day here on the NFC's mixtape. Um, What were your thoughts on Dak Prescott choosing not to divulge whether he's vaccinated or not? Uh, This is a subject that, as you can imagine, uh, generated a lot of discussion amongst Cowboys fans, really all NFL fans in general.
2: Uh, If you're asking for my honest opinion, unfiltered opinion, which I guess I typically give here on the podcast, I think it's kind of weak. Look, I think, you know, again, just looking at this strictly from a football perspective, which I don't think you have to, but like if we're putting it in that realm, like there is no competitive advantage there is in fact a competitive disadvantage to be unvaccinated so i don't think it's the quarterback's job to start literally poking everyone with needles and getting them vaccinated but i think it's as a leader of the team and rj as someone as you and a lot of cowboy fans talk about dax leaderships like this isn't the best kind of leader quality kind of thing here like he's a leader in some ways but he, t- he takes a back seat when it comes to something important like this and it's not just about like leader in the locker room but also like a lot of people look up to Dak Prescott, a lot of young people, a lot of impressionable people. He's a lot of fans. I think it's kind of just nice for those people to kind of set a good message and a good tone. Obviously, different people have different feelings on the vaccine and everything. Um, I, I'm not trying to get into all of that, um, right. but I just I think it's an opportunity for him to kind of be a little bit stronger than he was.
1: So, I think everything you're saying is fair. Like, that's a fair take. It's not like an outlandish BLG is just a hater take. Um, I I think the I don't want to say the optimistic take, but like, I do think one fair take is that Dak is simply trying to toe the line for the purposes of not alienating anybody on his team. This did come one day after Ezekiel Elliott mentioned publicly that he is vaccinated. And so it's, I don't know if you've seen this BLG, uh, Dak Prescott's brother is fairly active on Twitter. A few months ago, somebody in a kind of a quip sort of tweet said, I'll get vaccinated or, or somebody told, uh, Dak's brother that their friend or brother or somebody would get vaccinated when Dak prescott got vaccinated and Dak's brother said well it's time for him to get vaccinated so the intimation was that Dak prescott had been vaccinated and so if we are to assume that's true granted an assumption um, this is obviously a polarizing subject in i was going to say the nfl but in the world um, and so I can see the logic behind saying, you know, I don't want to alien any anybody. I don't want to make anybody feel isolated, or whatever. But you're right. Like if you just keep this to football, um, and there there is an argument to, you know, saying that you're vaccinated or whatever. But obviously, it's a touchy subject. So um, I will say that Dak has sort of implicitly earned my trust like I I trust that he will handle you know rough and touchy situations in the right way and so I don't know obviously what led to his line of thinking here but I I do trust that he is the right person to handle things when it comes to delegating whatever responsibilities for the Cowboys obviously whatever conversations they have in the locker room uh, could be different Uh, but do you want to keep going on the Cowboys like I feel like we talk about the Cowboys too much like maybe we go somewhere else after this stack talk
2: well you know me I do like Norder so if you're gonna go out of order, I don't, okay. I don't love that. What, what right. else is going on in Cowboys World? Come uh, on, the people here are listening, they're on, you know, blogging the boys, some of them. Sure. And obviously the Eagles fans want to listen too. Or I mean, maybe. But uh, what's going on with Cowboys, RJ?
1: So we are recording Tuesday, just after lunch. I had some leftover barbecue, in case you were wondering. BLG, it was fantastic, Uh, really good stuff, rice and beans to accompany it, just the whole dish sung. But um, just before the Cowboys are practicing on Tuesday, it was reported by Todd Archer of ESPN that Zach Martin is dealing with a minor ankle injury. Now, Zach Martin did not practice on Sunday, which was the team's third practice. He was given what was deemed to be a veteran day off, not an uncommon thing. Um, And about 10 minutes after that report, Mike McCarthy took to the podium for his daily press conference. And he said that Zach Martin is going to practice today. So this episode drops on Wednesday. Uh, so Zach Martin is going to practice on Tuesday. So it doesn't seem to be that big of an issue. That might be the most volatile story to, to come out of Cowboys camp so far. Um, nothing else is really shocking. They had five players on the pup list. Amari Cooper's there. Demarcus Lawrence is there. Greg Zerline's there. That one did kind of shock some people, uh, but n- nothing to really, you know, I think it cause anybody to lose their breath. Um, this was expected from Amari. We did find out that DeMarcus Lawrence had his third back surgery this offseason. That's not ideal. Um, ultimately, it's way too early to draw any legitimate conclusions here. But I do think that everything's gone about as well as you could have hoped, at least through a couple of practices in camp.
2: I think it's funny the way we talk about or think about training camp injuries because sometimes like you look at it and it's like, oh, no, this player's hurt. But at the same time, it's like, well, there's probably like a month or so until an actual game is played. So it doesn't matter a ton. In some ways, it might actually be a good thing if it's like a really minor injury, because then you're preventing that player from practicing and then suffering something like a torn ACL or something. So uh, lucky for you, Cowboys seemingly healthy enough. Like you said, all those injuries, the big names don't seem to be seriously hurt. Let me ask you, though, who's like standing out in Cowboys camp so far? Are there any like exciting players that have kind of rose to the occasion so far? So
1: Micah Parsons is obviously standing out. Uh, He's, I think, you know, already one of the best players uh, on this defense. and, And that was kind of obvious even coming into it. But um Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory is somebody that I think a lot of people who aren't Cowboys fans might have forgotten about. The team's second round draft pick in 2015 um, has played sparingly. He's been suspended off and on. Uh, Most of those suspensions uh, or all those suspensions had to do with testing positive for marijuana. The NFL has since altered their stance on that this offseason. This is Randy's first full year offseason wise with the Dallas Cowboys. Since his rookie year in 2015, um, he does look to be in shape, and there, you know, Jerry Jones will tell you there's not a lot of tread on those tires, and that's true. Uh, although the fact that he's never or he hasn't played a, a full regular season in forever is certainly cause for just you know slowly wading into these waters. Uh, but he does look great, and that's really encouraging. I would say maybe the star early on, um, and mm. this will maybe cause some rolling of the eyes is defensive coordinator dan quinn um i mean he he has he has really kind of won people over this is i realize this is low-hanging fruit but he's doing things like and this i mean when you when you come from a situation where you had mike nolan last year everything's a breath of fresh air to be clear here um Mm. but you know before and after practice working one-on-one with players his press conference he just sounds so you know Mike Nolan's press conferences last year involved him telling us he got Tabasco in his eye. To be clear, how low the mm-hmm. bar is. Um, but Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn is clearly a teacher, and I, and I think that we saw that in Atlanta, even, and certainly saw that in Seattle, and that was really needed, sorely needed for this team. He uh, he wears Jordans, which has got a lot of people all you know. Oh my gosh, the DCs wearing some Jays. Uh, and I don't know if you saw this story, BLG. Uh, he mentioned that over the off season, he played Run DMC. For the defensive players did you see this story no so he mentioned that he is a fast talker fast speaker i don't know uh i think you and i are both relatively fast at talking so we can certainly empathize Same. um and so in an exercise to kind of prove to them that they would not be able to take notes off of everything he said he played a run dmc song for them and challenged them to write all of the words, in the, or as many of the words in the song as they possibly could. And I think the winner got like two lines of the song. Uh, every player said like, yeah, it was crazy. It was super hard, blah, blah. Um, and his whole point was, look, you're not going to be able to take notes on everything. This is about absorbing the information, et cetera, et cetera. I know the system that I'm teaching you, et cetera. So my point in setting this up is because this is the last episode of the mixtape that people are going to hear before the first episode of Hard Knocks next week prepare mm. to see a lot of dan quinn and a lot of stuff like this
2: definitely i was just gonna ask you that so good uh point by you i was wondering like when it, exactly it began so that'll be interesting to see obviously i'm sure that'll provide some nice content for this podcast am no. sorry fun.
1: two weeks i was wrong so okay. i just ruined two that weeks. whole segment but
2: yeah wow. we lied uh, to the listeners that's our <laughs> i mean we never lie to the listeners i mean that's the goal of the podcast i don't know why you would do that um as far as the the hype thing or the cowboys defense goes uh this kind of just reminds me, as you're saying this, like Dan Quinn just being the new version of Mike McCarthy, like where you know um, your, your previous defensive coordinator Mike Nolan was like Jason Garrett. It's just like the new guy is better automatically. You bring him in; he's enough upgrade over the other, and he might be. I'm not gonna rule that out. I, I think actually, in fact, he is, just because by virtue of Mike Nolan not being like a real defensive coordinator option in the year 2020, like it's not. That was never like a real hiring to me. Like this isn't. This isn't gonna work out. Um, right. So. As I do, you know uh, I patrol all of the other NFC East uh, SB Nation blogs, and I was looking at blogging the boys uh, recently because I, you know, I put these articles in the link each day at the bottom kind of give people uh, going to Bleeding Your Nation a taste of what's going on around the division. I did see one of my favorite writers, Tom Ryle, who I feel like is unabashedly uh, bullish on the Cowboys always. And by the way, it is bullish. I heard you say this recently in a different podcast.
1: Oh, you I was think, gonna ask you about this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Bullish means you like something. I'm very confident in this. Like I'm I'm high on this thing. I am bullish. Bearish means like you don't feel good about it. I think um, did we anyway, have this
1: discussion once before? We did
2: one time. Yeah. And I was very unsure at the time, but I'm very confident now. Bullish means like so, They're yeah, good on something.
1: And I remember you bringing this up. A bullish investor, also known as a bull, mm. believes that the price of one or more securities will rise. I like I always thought, and I guess I fell back into this, even after you corrected me, that bullish meant like hesitant or you're scared of, no. or apprehensive towards. But that's okay. bearish.
2: Yeah. Okay. So good for you to know. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at the line from this article here. Going into the offseason, fixing the defense was stated as a top priority. Based on what we have seen so far, those are not empty words. I love. I love it. I love a week of... Cowboys training camp practice, already seen the defense look good. And you're like, all right, it's gonna be fine. Maybe, maybe it's not gonna be elite, but it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be better. Um, it's that time of year, though. It's, like, I, I I laugh about it, I, I kind of tease you about it. But seriously, I mean, obviously, uh, that's kind of going on in the Eagles World too, where everyone, I feel like, has convinced themselves or has everyone in the Eagles World has come up with the take generally that like, oh, the Eagles are gonna be better than you think this year. And I feel like everyone is saying that. And it's not actually like better than you think because everyone is saying that now. You know what I mean? It's not like oh, unpopular opinion. The Eagles are going to be good. No, like every, it's come to the point where now everyone is saying that, and like no one is sleeping on them.
1: Um, well, that's a good transition to um, to the Eagles. I I do think they'll be. I let me let me be clear about this. I think that they will be better than you specifically think that they are going to be because you have been not like hater low on them, but you have been wisely low, astutely low on them, and I just. I, I, I think the division sucks. And like, some of that is like, I don't think, I, I think that they split the series with Washington. I think they probably sweep the giants. Like, so like right there, we're talking about three wins. And so like, I think this team's getting to like between six and eight wins. If you told me the over under was six and a half, I'd take the over. If you tell me it was seven and a half, I'd stress a little bit about it. But I mean, I, I think they're right there. Like, I, I think, I think they're higher pick. So they have correct me Miami's pick in 2022.
2: Correct. The Miami's first round pick for sure. They have the maybe, second round pick that could and, be elevated.
1: So I'll, I'll go on the record with this take right now. I think their highest first round pick in 2021 is Miami's.
2: Wow. Not even their own. Nope.
1: Highest being it's, near the top of the order to be very clear. Right.
2: Yeah, right. closer to number one. Um, yeah, uh, I don't think that's insane. Just because I'm not a two guy, and I think the Dolphins could take a step back. I think the rest of the roster they still pieces to prevent like being really, really terrible. And I like Flores a lot. I don't think he. Like, I can't see the Dolphins being like, a bottom five team with Brian Flores. Like even when their roster was terrible a couple years ago, like <laughs> them playing above their talent level. So I don't think they're going to be a total disgrace. But uh, wait, wait, I don't wait, think It's like, question: Will
1: you will you root for the Giants when they play the Dolphins this year?
2: Uh, I mean. <laughs> so I never root for the giants. I would be rooting <laughs> against the dolphins is the phrasing that I so choose to pick. What
1: would you rather see more than the, the Eagles first round draft pick improve in stock or the giants lose?
2: Well, it really depends where we are at in the, uh, like the year. I don't know. It, it does though. It, well, no, I mean, it's not offense fence riding. It's like, Is this late in the year? Are the Eagles obviously out of it? Then clearly I'm rooting for the pick to be better. Are the Eagles making a playoff push? Are they like pushing for first in division? Then obviously I want them to win or the Giants, you know, to uh, lose at that point. I mean, the Giants might be so irrelevant anyway. It doesn't really matter. But uh, according to you, especially. Um, But yeah, kind of situational there. We'll get to the Giants, but so
1: depending how high this Miami pick is could influence, obviously, what the Eagles are going to do in the 2022 offseason. Some people, mm-hmm. BLG, believe the chatter this week is uh, that they could be involved in trading for what is currently Houston Texans quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Uh, before we get into this, I think B- I speak for BLG. I know I said that a lot, uh, but it's because I always think I speak for you,
2: BLG. Speaking for me.
1: Uh, I think I speak for you in saying we both are certainly aware that this is a very complicated situation. We're talking about the football of it all, which is a very difficult thing to do. Uh, But given that he is being linked so heavily to the Eagles, it does merit discussion this week.
2: I mean, it's impossible to ignore. I mean, like, I get it. Like, I get anyone who feels, like, gross talking about it. I feel weird talking about it. Um, But, like, I cover the philadelphia eagles and they're being connected to a star player that's not something like you just like don't talk about like that is absolutely relevant. like that is like and it's it's crazy relevant um there there could maybe not be a more relevant topic when it comes to like a team and a quarterback like you know those are the big points so um it's really weird that we've seen so much smoke about this and this is all the way dating back to like march rj I, i think i said um to you on the monday football monday podcast on the sb nation nfl show that like that uh I told I totally lost my point. Where was I thinking?
1: <laughs> about Monday totally talking about it. talking about Deshaun because the news came out that he was supported at Texans camp. Um obviously there's lots of rumors and uh, mm-hmm. discussions about the price that it could cost to acquire him. Three first round picks thrown up by NFL Network. Uh, five high picks was thrown out by ESPN, also including some players. And a lot of people naturally have connected the dots here because the Eagles are a team that looked like they could have three first round picks in 2022 with Miami and Indianapolis. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It feels gross talking about it. And it's, it's so like, from my perspective, while you still ponder, it's gross to even start thinking about like, well, what does Deshaun Watson look like in the NFC East? and The Cowboys having to play him twice. Like that, that feels gross right now. Um, obviously, obviously when you talk about just who the football player is, if you don't want to see the Eagles get better, you don't want to see any team in the division get better. Um, I do think generally speaking, uh, like without knowing what happens with Deshaun Watson, but just operating off where we are now, if I would, and like rumors are rumors, like, I, but these rumors are coming from somewhere. If I was the Eagles, if I was Howie Roseman, like I know Howie Roseman is seemingly, you know, somebody who has a never ending amount of lives in the Philadelphia Eagles organization. But at some point the thin ice becomes thinner and thinner and thinner. I would not want to stake what might be like the last of my opportunities On Deshaun Watson, and I specifically would not want to surrender three first-round picks in order to do so. I mean, like, I this this is a team and an organization that is in such turmoil in a lot of areas. Like, you just you just Andy Dufresne the Carson Wentz era, right? Like, you just got out of like this. And very different things like Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. But Carson Wentz, for his own reasons, like ruined the era that he had within the Eagles organization. Why would you want to like the next move you make a quarterback has to be like complete and total blue chip, no doubts about it prospect. Like you can't roll the dice in any capacity here. That's why I wouldn't I can't understand why the Eagles would be considering this.
2: I think he again from football perspective I think he makes an incredible amount of sense just from he's 25 years old he's on a contract that's actually like friendly like like a lot of people are like oh the cap hits are too high when you look at like the caliber of quarterback he is he's gonna be making like 30 something million the next two years you know because the Texans will have to take on the bonus money whereas you know the Eagles are just getting the base salaries you know Dak Prescott's getting what like 40 something Mm -hmm. a year he's making 10 million or less than Dak like that's a pretty good that's a bargain, relatively. Um, so I think it makes sense, you know, from those angles. And then obviously, just again, talent. Like he's really freaking good. It's like, it's hard to kind of reconcile that sometimes because of the Texans were so bad last year. But I mean, it wasn't his fault. Like they, he was really, really freaking good. He's like a top five quarterback in the NFL, arguably, at, at least top 10. I think it comes down to, uh, I don't think the was necessarily want to be patient, RJ. I, I don't, and also, it's unwise like, in my mind. And that's fair to say, but I think I'm just like looking at I I just try to put myself in in a space where I'm thinking about how they're thinking about it. You know, I'm not opining myself right now. I'm saying like I think they're at a spot where like Deshaun Watson is such a rare kind of talent to be able to acquire, right? Like, there's not you can never just acquire quarterbacks like that, like ever. Like that's not it's a very rare circumstance, and obviously, like there's there's circumstances why he's available that make him available that are pretty troubling, but I think they look at it as such a rare opportunity and they're gonna have this ammo. And honestly, maybe like you know, they this is why they got all those picks. It wasn't like they just got all those picks to have, you know, and then like make a trade when they see something available. Like maybe this is intentional. I don't know. This story goes back to again like March, there's been so many different rumors. It's not even coming from like one place. Like I've seen national reporters say this. I've seen Texas-based reporters say this. I've seen Philly-based reporters say this. And like you, Peter King writing about it, like Adam Schefter, like there's so many different people putting this out there. And the original report actually went back to like Jeffrey Lurie and specifically like, he's the one who's really interested in this. And that made me think back to Jeffrey Lurie's press conference after the 2020 season, RJ, where he said like, I am obsessed, you know, with building like an elite passing offense. And I think, how do you do that? Well, you get an elite quarterback. I don't think, you know, Jeffrey Lurie is going to settle. I don't think he really wants to give Jalen Hurts a chance if he feels like he can get an upgrade. Um, now, I think the Eagles are in a spot where they're going to have to give it Jalen Hurts a chance because even if they trade for Deshaun Watson, obviously, like now, like I think he's going to be suspended or there's you know a lot of fallout still, still yet to come. It's not like he's playing week one necessarily. Um, so... It's really interesting to think about just because of, you know, all the different angles and and uh how much of a reaction it would be. And there would honestly there would be a lot of Eagles fans who wouldn't want to root for the team anymore, and I can't blame a single one of them. Uh it is a really, you know, like not great development to see um when you're like involved in this and it's not just clean and cut and dry, and it's not like, oh, there's a star player who's really good and there's no, you know, concerns, and you just want him. Um so it's kinda messy. Uh, My question for you, though, like, I kind of want to know, like, if Deshaun Watson gets traded in the NFC, East, like, how are you feeling about that? Uh, I guess as a whole, like, wherever you want to pick up on that.
1: I mean, like, again, obviously it would not be you know great to see any team get better anywhere right like that's why like you know we love the draft but we hate the draft like it's like awesome the Cowboys drafted Micah Parsons but the Eagles drafted Devontae Smith like you know what I mean like you you know that's Mm -hmm. just like the game of of football um I I just and it even it feels too gross to say like oh if they if they went all in on Deshaun Watson like they're risking everything like it feels gross to to talk about like you know who he is and assessing like his off the field concerns within the Eagles organization, which is why, like, it's, it's really, it's hard to answer that question, honestly. Um, that, that's why like my, my general like stance on it is like, I, I would not want my team to be anywhere near this. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's how I feel. And so if I was an Eagles fan, I would be rightly concerned. Some of the Eagles fans that, uh, let's, I'm their favorite Cowboys fan, which is an honor that I uh, hold near and dear to my heart. Uh, have told me on Twitter that they want nothing to do with this. And I can see that. And like, I, my only other question for you on this, because there's no denying that Deshaun Watson's an excellent player. And and I think that like I still I think we don't even truly realize that he's an incredibly smart quarterback uh, in terms of PFF turnover worthy play rate. Last year, only Tom Brady had a lower turnover worthy play rate than him last season. Mm-hmm. He had a, a higher turnover lower. Uh, it was the same as Aaron Rodgers. I mean, like he's I mean, there's in, he's incredible. Like I get that. And I get that like people have lengths that they're willing to go to to justify whatever in life um but my question is like how does this feel coming off I mean it's not like it was a year ago but I mean it was what 12 years ago that the Eagles signed Michael Vick you mm-hmm. know I mean like that I just I would not want that to be my franchise like and to be associated with all these things I mean you know 12 years apart even I mean that's a long time but that just I I, I really think that some Eagles fans would be like you know like you hear all the time like with different social issues like oh I'm never watching the NFL again. I could totally see a lot of Eagles fans checking out if they pursued sh- this, because it's it's one thing to sign Michael Vick, like the way the Eagles did, just yeah. as a as a free agent. It's another thing to surrender an enormous amount of capital to acquire him, which is what the Eagles would clearly have to do here.
2: It's also just such a different situation, which I don't even like the the Vick thing. You know, like I don't love it as a comparison. I get why you bring it. I get why anyone brings it up. I just I don't love it. You know, as a one for one at all because it's just like Michael Vick went to jail. <laughs> you know, he right. served his punishment. Like sure, yeah, there's there's his-
1: context to everything. You're right.
2: Yeah. Um, he served his time. And I think, you know, we really came to see this. It wasn't obviously apparent at the time of the Eagles signing him. And a lot of people were obviously up in arms about that. I remember being excited about it, though. You know, I, I and I love animals. I love dogs. It wasn't like it, it was a really weird thing, though. It's, it's like weird. that I even have to say that right now. Like, obviously, like I love animals. But um, uh, I think Michael Vick, like seeing him over time, though, he really did change. And I don't know. I'm not saying that like because maybe Deshaun Watson can too. I'm not going to say that. I'm just saying with the Michael Vick case specifically, I saw like growth there. And I think the Eagles may have saw that too somehow like beforehand. And that's why they're comfortable signing with him uh, and everything. And that worked out for them uh, in some ways. Um, uh, Yeah, so it's, it's a weird topic. I, you know, it's it's something like we can't just ignore again because it's here. And the rumors keep happening. Like, there was a new rumor just today, right? Like, I posted the link today, and I linked to an article that Jason Lockenfora, again, who broke the story, originally back in March, put out and said, like, like, a bunch of many NFL executives believe the Eagles are the frontrunners for Watson, which isn't really breaking new ground a ton because that's been said a lot. But, like, it's crazy. It just keeps being said out there. I have no idea what a timeline – I don't think anyone knows what a timeline looks for this because there are a lot of, like, things up in the air – when it comes to allegations, and it sounds like there's a couple new ones that Rusty Harden just talked about. Uh, Deshaun Watson's um, uh, uh, representative, his, uh, his lawyer, um, so his attorney. So, like, I, I just I don't know. It's it's also weird though, RJ, because like Quincy Avery, his trainer, was just on like Adam Scepter's podcast this past Friday and thought he was going to be traded, like, as Over of Sunday, weekend. right? Yeah, which is insane. Like, I mean, I guess he was just like. I you know, I don't necessarily know that Quince Avery like, knows what's going on, you know, like in terms of realistic NFL movement and everything. Maybe he was just like, you know, just saying something like just off the cuff. I wasn't really like thinking right. about it. But like that's wild. And that the Texans are taking offers right now, like, seems to make me believe like it's possible that this thing could happen like way sooner than anyone expects, which would be crazy, but it doesn't seem impossible to me.
1: It's a really Awkward situation, uh, unfortunate, gross. I mean, there's a lot of words that are applicable here. I will say this. If if the Eagles did anything, if they moved uh, any combination of first round picks before knowing what they have with the Indianapolis pick, I think that would be unwise. Like for, for whoever, whatever they're trading for. Like, I think you have to know your resources. And like, I think if you're going to make a move now, especially before you know what that pick is. Like it, you, you need to be a team in like some sort of win now mode, and that's clearly not the Eagles. Which again, it would it would be kind of silly, but um, I don't know, man. Um, it's tough. So this story seems like it's going to hang over the Eagles' heads. So it would be very interesting to see how they act behind a microphone, how Nick Sirianni uh, reacts to this mm-hmm. news because he's obviously going to be asked about it in the coming days. Oh, but yeah. we'll have everybody covered at BGN. You'll also play Pound It or um, whatever it was with him. I forgot already. Rock paper scissors. Yeah, um, that was a good time. Um, okay, what is Pound It? Get- is that a game? Pound it like when you pound somebody's fist, like when you see them. You don't do that? It's not a game. I mean, it's a game. It's a, it can't be. A, did you ever I, do like, this I, actually, I actually hated this game in like middle school. Did you ever do the like cracking knuckle game? You know
2: what I'm talking about? I kind of have an idea of what you're talking about. Like I don't you would, think I played that.
1: You, you would put like your knuckles up against somebody and you would like punch them and whoever bled mm. for like when you were like 11 years old. Like this was the bloody only knuckles thing that made sense.
0: Yeah, there you go. Bloody Knuckles. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Who would have thought that Bloody Knuckles would come up today? Um, mm. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about the New York Giants and the football team of Washington in just a moment. Before we do, we're going to take a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select
2: devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Welcome back. BLG's Knuckles, not bloody. Mine, not bloody. We managed to survive. What's your favorite game to play or what was your favorite game to play at recess,
2: BLG? At recess? Um, yeah. If it wasn't bloody like Knuckles. Soccer. Soccer was like, like a big thing. depends on the grade you're talking about. But I remember like soccer being a big thing from like fourth to sixth grade where like I feel like maybe 50, 60, 70% of like the kids would play. And it was like this massive game. It'd be like this because it was a big giant soccer field. And they're all like, you know, again, like 10 years, 11 years old. And I feel like a lot of kids would like play on mostly one team uh and i don't really know how much goal scoring there would be because it's just like again it's not like you know soccer where it's on what like a 10 on 10 or 11 on 11 or whatever it was like you know like 50 people on a field so uh that was always fun i think it was just fun to run around and uh have some fun
1: Mm. so not a swing guy that was my answer like being on the swing seeing how far you could jump that was my thing
2: i like a swing i like a swing a lot Mm. um yeah anyway
1: uh washington new york where do you want to go first
2: Go to Washington, where RJ, I said this to you before the oh. show. I saw this on Twitter that Washington football team, as of what? Um when? As of July 26th, so Monday, uh, they had the lowest player vaccination rate in the NFL, with just 60% having received one dose, at least one dose. This is from Nikki uh Jahabvala. Um, If I butchered that last name, I'm really sorry. Uh, And then the Colts, who we talked about before, are actually second lowest at 63%. And then she also said that nearly 84% of NFL players are at least partially vaccinated. So again, just from a strategic standpoint here, RJ, you know, as the reigning division champs, you know, you're looking at the Washington football team, not having a high vaccination rate, like that's a concern.
1: Yeah. And so I believe this is the first mix that we've recorded since the NFL's announcement last week. Um, I mean, they had like, it was like an 18 page memo, but the general gist of it is if a team uh, has a, an outbreak that forces a game to be canceled, the team who's responsible in terms of having the outbreak will be forced to forfeit the game. um, And will be, uh, responsible for covering the financial loss of the game. The other team that they were scheduled to play will be given a win. And there's also something with the draft order. Like they will not be yes. given a, a loss to to help right. influence their draft order in a positive direction, positive the way fans view it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's obviously a costly thing if that's going to happen. And that's that's why, like, look, BLG and I, again, I'm going to speak for BLG, uh, realize this is a, a polarizing issue, but. It has become an issue of competitiveness in the NFL, uh, according to Michael Irvin, at least. And so in that sense, in that specific sense, BLG, Washington right now is the least competitive team in the National Football League, uh, if they're mm-hmm. just above 60%. And so when you sent me this, I was not excited, but I was interested to ask you. How, like, how would you feel if that happened? Like, if, if because they're they're in our division. So, like, what if they were playing the Eagles and they had to forfeit that game? Like, I mean, I'm not saying you're bummed that like, you get a free win or anything like that. But like, that would be a that would be a really weird thing to happen. And it's possible this happens to any team, not just the team that's lowest in vaccination rate, but they are theoretically at most risk of that happening uh, just from a mathematical standpoint. So, like, how would that feel? Because like, that does that's a, a variable at play this season
2: why do we do a podcast together if you're gonna just tell me that you speak for me all the time i mean you might as well just I mean, you know play my part too
1: yeah i um, could do that
2: back and forth yeah i'm sure you could um uh what are you taking a sip of there by the way what do you got there
1: uh this is i have a terrible habit i drink like four diet cokes a day it's not great mm, i'm not proud of it like, but, Okay
2: yeah i exposed you, know, you here on the podcast for listeners to hear yeah i stopped yeah. drinking soda like a while ago it was a good move yeah blg's a big
1: water guy wait water and what else are you like lemonade tea like
2: uh, I try not to do the sugar really as much. Um, I Have a Gatorade from time to time, you know. Especially like you know, it's hot. I'm doing like you know a walk, a run, or something I'm really sweaty. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, getting back to your question, um, it, it's a weird <laughs> dynamic because like obviously you see that, and as a rival fan, you're like, there. It's it sounds weird, but like there can't not be a part of you that's like, wow, the, my rival team is at a disadvantage. I like that, but then obviously what should override that is the human level being like, this isn't good. Like, you know, I don't want to see people unvaccinated and more prone to potentially like getting a disease or, you know, missing right. games because of that. Um, but again, you know, like if they're going to, yeah, I will take, if the Washington football team is going to forfeit a game to the Eagles, I will pretty much take that unless it's in week 17 last year, then I would not have taken that one. Uh, I would want the Eagles to have forfeited before they uh, could have done that. And honestly, Eagles probably would have just been better off forfeiting in the week 17 last year um, based on everything that happened. But uh, yeah, so it's a weird dynamic. Um, it's concerning. It, it can't like, especially the thing that I think about RJ is like the way it could cluster in terms of like, if you have a position group, let's just say cornerback, like where, you know, they're not vaccinated players. And all of a sudden you know, like before the game or whatever, like you're just missing your cornerbacks and you have to play. Like, that's a pretty big issue. Um, so uh, it's pretty concerning that to see that, I think, for Washington fans. We'll see if those numbers climb. And I talked to you about on the I believe the it was yesterday in the SB Nation NFL show. I'm also interested to see how these rates are impacted by roster cuts. And if it's like all these back of the roster players getting the vaccine. Explain, and the, star explain the math behind that again. Just hear so everyone yeah. can hear that. So, like I think like you know it's easy, and Mike Forio is the one the first one who like brought this up and made me really think about it. but, you know, if you have all these bottom of the roster players getting the vaccine, which makes sense because they want to do everything they can to potentially make the roster. So they're not gonna not get the vaccine, or at least you would think a lot of them would not not get the vaccine um, double negative there. And I just wonder how that's how the team percentage is gonna fluctuate based on that because a lot of those players are presumably going to get cut. And then, if your star players don't have it, or a lot of the starters—not even just stars, but a lot of the starting players and key backups—don't have it, well, then that's going to impact that too. So that's going to be interesting to monitor. I don't know that we're really going to get like updated rates. I don't know, you know, because like they're kind of being reported out now, like these numbers. I don't know exactly even how or you're getting this. I guess it's documented, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Also, interested to see. I don't know how this has worked in Cowboys camp so far, um, and and I'm I'm we'll see how it goes in Eagles camp. But also like this thing about players being marked. Right, like seeing like who is unvaccinated and not,
1: so on that note, uh Charles
2: Robinson went in detail
1: on that on um the relaunched Yahoo. NFL podcast you pod to win the game and by the way uh, I know you listen to that podcast BLG Charles has done a great job uh, obviously to get that pod going again and he does such a great job honoring Torres Paler every episode it's it's one of the better NFL nationally covered podcasts there is Um, so shout out to Charles who does a great job covering the Cowboys along with the entire NFL and he talked about for anyone who's unaware to your point BLG how players are potentially going to wear wristbands i don't know if they're like the silicone wristbands or something uh with colors that note whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated and he mentioned like you know you'll be able to like during a game you know count if you really want to Mm -hmm. rather you can you can you know look through your binoculars or whatever and and count them all and you can deduce the percentage yourself and like and then we get to like a, a place of like what if team x is saying like we're you know like You know, like Nick Saban said this week that Alabama is really close to being 100 percent vaccinated or whatever. So, like, what if a team said that and then you count like 20, you know, unvaccinated wristbands or whatever? You know what I mean? Mm. Like um, and so now you've got like misreporting going on like that. That opens a really big can of worms. Um, And and Washington's at the center of it all, unfortunately, with this situation going on. Um, I did want to bring up just because it's relevant here in case anybody forgot uh, what Montez Sweat said about this uh, almost Mm. two months ago. Uh, He was asked about the vaccine. Uh, At this time, I'm reading an article from John Kime at ESPN. Um, at the time, Ron Rivera said that his players were approaching a 50% vaccination rate. So this was a a June 9th. Um, so that number has climbed technically since then. Uh, but Montez sweat said on the vaccine, I'm not a fan of it. I probably won't get vaccinated until I get more facts and that stuff. I'm not a fan of it at all. Then he went on and said, I haven't caught COVID yet. So I don't see me treating COVID until I actually get COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. it was one of those tweets and quotes that, uh, People had a lot of fun with on Twitter, um, as you recall, and so people feel different ways about this. And I mean, I think I, I like it's it's possible that anything changes, but like I think if if Washington's this low now, it with all this time that's gone on since the vaccination's been out, it stands to reason that like people have made up their minds on what they're going to do, and they've already decided they are or are not going to get the vaccine. If that means. like I I don't see a big change happening between now and the start of the season. I don't know if you do.
2: Um. Yeah, I agree with that. I. I mean, m- maybe unless there's just like a bad something in training camp, and or or players are actually unvaccinated players are going through these extra protocols, and they're kind of just like tired of it because they have to go through obviously extra hoops that the unvaccinated players, um, or sorry, the vaccinated players don't have to go through. So we'll see there. Um. But the other two things I want to talk about with Washington were actually the extensions that they gave out mm-hmm. recently including one to Jonathan Allen, which kind of made me look back to the 2017 uh, NFL draft there, and the players that were taken, uh, the, just the the defensive players even alone that were taken ahead of Jonathan Allen. Um, you want to read those there for me, RJ? I would switch the window myself, but I'm afraid the audio is on the cutout because that my computer does that for some um, reason. You're talking about the, recording.
1: You're talking about the 2017 NFL draft, correct?
2: Yeah. Yes. The other names there. Um, I
1: know why you're doing this, but all of the defensive players taken before Jonathan Allen. uh, At one overall, Cleveland took Miles Garrett. At three overall, San Francisco took Solomon Thomas. Uh, At six overall, the Jets took Jamal Adams, currently in his own contract dispute. Uh, At 11 overall, the New Orleans Saints took who, BLG? That's quiz 10.
2: Uh, uh, Lattimore.
1: Yeah, uh, Marshawn Lattimore. At 13 overall, the Arizona Cardinals. See if you can do this again.
2: Reddick, Hassan Reddick.
1: I think you're cheating. Uh, At 14 overall, (laughs) obviously the Eagles took Derek Barnett. Uh, At 15 overall, this is applicable to the Cowboys in our current moment, by the way. The Colts took Malik Hooker, who is not officially a member of the Cowboys, but it does seem like that is going to happen much sooner rather than later. It's a matter of COVID protocols that he's getting through himself with the team being in California. Obviously, things are different there. Um, So, you know, be on the lookout for that. Um, One pick after that, Baltimore took Marlon Humphrey. And then Jonathan Allen went 17 overall to the Washington football team. The joke that BLG wanted to make was that at 28, 11 picks later, the Dallas Cowboys took Taco Charlton.
2: I wasn't going to make that joke, but thank you for doing it for me. (laughs) Um, I I just think it's kind of weird. Like, we think of Washington as a joke, and they are in many ways. They are a joke of a franchise, or have been, at least. But uh they made some good picks too like when it comes to the draft they're not like a total joke I mean obviously Dean Dwayne Haskins is really bad but like Jonathan Allen was a really good pick for them like he a lot of people wanted the Eagles to take him when he was still on the board I remember he was kind of like falling that year due to like shoulder like concerns, something about like a degenerative shoulder or something but uh he's played really really well he's part of that strong Washington defensive line and he got rewarded with a what four-year 72 million dollar contract so I just thought kind of interesting um just maybe uh, did, I don't, did we have Jonathan Allen on our all NFC's team? Was he the other defensive tackle next to Fletcher Cox?
1: Um, no, he was he not. Was. We went with Leonard Williams was our yeah. second choice. So, but it could have been him. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, he got, if he didn't get the all-star nod, he got the new contract. So I think ultimately, you know, Jonathan Allen came out ahead. Uh, yeah. Anything else on Washington before we move on? Uh, the, oh, the one other extension. I'm sorry. How could I forget yeah, then the, the Logan, former quarterback?
2: Just real quick. Yeah, the Logan Thomas one. Um just a nice find for them, really. I remember when Logan Thomas was a quarterback and, and on the Arizona Cardinals, and everyone thought, like, oh, man, Bruce Arians, who, who's your favorite coach, R.J., uh, might be able to turn Logan Thomas into something. And alas, he was not, nor was anybody. And uh, he took some time, he converted to tight end, and uh, it worked out for him. So I guess good for him. Good for Washington. Um, I think you could argue, I don't think he is, I would go with Dallas Goddard, but I think you could argue, I mean, just based on last year, last year he had a better year than Dallas Goddard. And he's arguably the top division or tighter in the division. And they, you know, got him for free. So good for them.
1: So, two things here uh, before we move on to the New York Giants. Number one, people love to regard Bruce Arians as some sort of quarterback whisperer. I actually wanted to give a big shout out to Jenny Varentis, one of the best NFL reporters in the biz. I saw she had a take uh, on the MMQB podcast where she talked about that term is thrown out like so ridiculously how like we call people quarterback whisperers when they just like work with good quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Like that's, and like people love to be like Bruce Arians fixes quarterbacks. Bruce Arians worked with Ben Roethlisberger, first round pick Peyton Manning before that number one, overall draft pick Uh, Andrew Luck, number one, overall draft pick Carson Palmer, Heisman Trophy winner, number one overall draft pick. Jameis Winston, Heisman Trophy winner, number one overall draft pick. Tom Brady, obviously the GOAT. But like Bruce Arians drafted Logan Thomas, who was so bad at quarterback that he didn't even end up playing the position professionally in the NFL. Um, but speaking of players who were quarterbacks to start their careers in the NFL, I don't know if you remember Jameel Showers, former safety for the Dallas Cowboys, BLG. Uh, but he, But he wore number 28. Uh, yeah, he wore number 28 when he uh, flipped from quarterback to safety. And the reason that's applicable is in the exact moment that we are talking, recording Malik Hooker has walked out onto the practice field for the Dallas Cowboys and wow. Oxnard wearing number 28. So uh, while it's not, it's still like, again, at this exact moment, not official. Um, what are you talking about?
2: He's wearing the jersey.
1: I mean, he's out there. Uh, I'm just looking at this tweet from John Michaud of The Athletic. He's wearing number 28. So uh, just like he's making Jamil Showers proud. And I actually used to hate that Jamil Showers hogged 28. Like, that's such a great safety number. And he was never, he just hogged it on the practice squad forever. Uh, so thankfully, Malik Hooker can make it great again. But um, anyway, the New York Giants. Uh, before we get into the New York Giants discussion, everybody head to bigblueview.com. Ed Valentine, the main man over there, had an exclusive. Sit down interview with New York Giants head coach Joe Judge. It is, it's also like fantastically put together. Um, I will also speak for BLG here. Like, you know, on the back end, when we have to put articles together, like Ed made this pretty. I mean, like, it looks good. Um, And so he did an incredible job here with Joe Judge. Shout out to Ed. Uh, you know, would you want to sit down with Joe Judge for 30 minutes, BLG? Uh,
2: sure. I could just hear him talk about how. What a shame it is that, uh, you know, the Eagles didn't try to go out to win and help the six win giants make the playoffs. I could just, you know, I could just spend some time doing that. RJ, what was your favorite part of that interview with Ed?
1: I mean, I really found Joe judge to be humble, um, which is, I mean, what we need. And Ed's a humble guy. So like maybe that was Ed's writing that kind of came through and reflected it. Uh,
2: what about you? Uh, I would say personable. It's very personable. Um, more than I expected. I think it's easy to think about Joe Judge as like a robot because he's from, you know, the Belichick right. tree and all the stuff that came out last year. Remember how big of a topic Joe Judge was like last year in training camp with all like the... Oh, remember when he like, they like were he
1: fielded the punt and like fell down. Yeah. You remember this? Like everybody freaked out. Yeah. Um, that was all sweet. like the,
2: the Belichick kind of stuff that the Giants were doing all of a sudden that came out. And I think Ed, I was talking to Ed about that recently about some of how the restrictions are still kind of strict, or maybe it was stats. I don't remember who. Anyway, uh yeah, so good interview. Definitely check it out. Um, the the biggest thing that I've seen though, you know, coming out of the Giants so far still is Saquon. And mm-hmm. we talked about it on last week's episode and like things to watch, but uh seems like the Giants are taking it slow, which I guess again has some sense to it. You don't need to rush them in theory, but I just also think that. If you need to take it slow, it's not just because you're being like 100% cautious, and it's because there is some kind of underlying concern here. So Saquon did start camp on the pup list, which isn't
1: like cause for panic. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to play that game. But, and, and like every player, every injury is different. But I look at Dak Prescott, who I think you would agree, uh, among all players who were injured last season, suffered one of the most gruesome injuries that we saw. Fair? Yeah. Okay, he's back. Not only back, he was back for mini camp. You know what I mean? Like he's back, he's mm-hmm. moving, he's fully operational, like everything's great. Blake Jarwin tore his ACL in week one last year, did not start camp on the pup list for the Cowboys. And again, mm-hmm. every player is different. But just that's where yeah. my brain goes, like to compare it to those things. And so Saquon starting on the pup list does not feel encouraging. Okay. I have uh I know everybody cares about my fantasy league, uh, my league of record. This is our twelfth season. Um it's a keeper league and I don't know if I should keep Daryl Henderson or not. I'm really torn up about this, but that's a whole different Mm -hmm. subject. Uh, But I have the number one overall pick and Saquon's not even anywhere near contention for me. Like I, I would not want to touch this with a 10 foot pole. I hope he comes back because I I want, you know, I want the giants to be good. I want the Cowboys to beat them when they're at full strength. I I think Saquon's awesome. I think he's a great player. I want to see that, but this, this does not feel encouraging to me. Is that an overreaction or not in your mind?
2: I think when there are things like this, I'm always of the belief that there is something to this. I'm usually the the belief that there's never nothing. Like, a lot of people, I think, like to say, oh, the media is overblowing it. It's nothing. Like, people are saying this to Aaron Rodgers. It clearly was not nothing. Like, he came back to the Packers because there were concessions made, or at least so much is being reported by ESPN. But I think Schefter had even said, like, Schefter said last night that, like, Rodgers was planning to skip out on camp prior to these concessions being made. So it's a different kind of thing, but... I just think for the Giants to be, again, so cautious, overly cautious even with this and Saquon to kind of just be kind of like weird and cagey about it when he's been talking. And like, I I see, so I saw Ed kind of write about, maybe that's how just like uh, Joe judge and like the Patriot way, they kind of want players to be and not really give any information. And he kind of used the example, I think of how Daniel Jones was a little too, he shared a little bit too much last year at one point late in the season when he was hurt. So it could be that, but again, I just think it's, it's, This isn't like any kind of key player being hurt. Like this is the key player for the New York Giants being hurt. Like this, the season hinges on Saquon Barkley at some level. Like I mean, I'm not to say that they can't win. I don't know, maybe seven games and overachieve or whatever. No, they're going to be like winless. But I just think for them to be in playoff consideration, they need Saquon. And if he's not there, then the season is lost.
1: In that sense, because I agree with you, I think everybody agrees with you, right? Like, it's it's Saquon or bust for the Giants offense, despite, like, you know, the fact that they drafted a quarterback in the first round who's entering a, like, you know, what, what is an important year for him contractually, uh, the, despite signing Kenny Galladay, right? Like, despite, like, all these other things that should make them a functional football team, but whatever. Um, so, in that sense, is it not, then, the appropriate thing to put him on pup list? Like, if he truly is the season... Yeah. Like you, you take every measure possible to be cautious and and maybe that's what they're doing. Um, and he's being cagey with it and that's fine. That's up to him. Like we talked about last week, but I just, I don't know, man, like this, this would put a pit in my stomach if I was a Giants fan.
2: Yeah. It's a kind of a file away thing right now. Like you don't have to worry about it right now. Week one of training camp, but you know, we get a couple of weeks in and there's still like no really update or he's still on it. No, then, 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 then as we get closer to the season, like every day, then it, you it know, starts to be a little bit more concerning. Um anything else going on with the Giants for you there r j
1: nothing really um yeah. and that's i i mean like so this is this my last question or topic on the Giants in general um but I actually saw this uh in Peter King's football morning in America um as i uh pull it open right now this was and Peter King was back on Monday, so it was nice to see you know, that th- we got like a massive football morning in america uh this particular week because he was back uh but um do you know who has the worst record in the NFL since I believe 2017? I think I feel like I've made it obvious, but do you know? It's two teams. <laughs> yeah, it is two teams since 2017. This is uh, two teams are tied for first. So we've got second, third, mm. fourth, uh, four. fifth place is the Cleveland Browns. They're 24, 39, and one. Uh, tied for fourth, the Denver Broncos and Detroit Lions, although the Broncos are 23 and 41, where the Lions are 23 40 and one um the jacksonville jaguars uh, a little bit more embarrassing at 22 and 42 the cincinnati Bengals, 1944 and one since 2017 but at 18 and 46 since 2017 Ooh. which two teams blg
2: the new jersey jets and giants
1: <laughs> so my question within that scope is are the giants not like and I I don't say this as like a Cowboys fan, Giants hater, whatever. Like I'm being hundred percent serious here. Are they not one of the most boring teams in the NFL? Like they're, they're, they're boring. Yeah. Like they're, they're not entertaining in any way. There's nothing about them. Like, like I, I hate the Eagles. I want to be clear about this, but they're entertaining as hell. You know what I mean? Like they're, mm. they're fun to like watch the show of, and even Washington's getting there. But like New York is just so boring. Like they're not even vanilla ice cream. It's like, They're the things that you have in your pantry that you bought four years ago because you said you'd eat and you never have and you never will. Like when you move out, you'll just throw it away. That's who the Giants are.
2: I really like to believe. I actually choose to believe that how bad the Giants have been for years now since winning their second Super Bowl really just is affirming. In my belief that you know those Super Bowl runs especially the second one. I think the first one was more legit, but especially the second one was just totally fraudulent. It was not the sign and I said this at the time. I remember saying like the thing that frustrated me about that like them winning the Super Bowl not only doing it in fluky fashion is like the Giants. Are not this organization that other teams are like trying to be like you know what i mean like no one was trying to like hire the giants coaches or anything or like their their front office members like no one wanted to be the giants because they weren't this model franchise they just got lucky they got very incredibly lucky and you know no one can ever take that away in the form of a championship but i am not insane i knew the giants (laughs) were frauds when they won a championship and all of their miserable existence since then proves i was right
1: um, I think people think, not saying our listeners, but I think some people think that the Giants are kind of akin to the Steelers, right? Like they're this NFL mm. blue blood and they kind of put them in there. And, and there's the familial connection right there, like the Rooney and Mara families um, mm. or family, however you want to put it. Um, so people like equate them. Like, you know, like every team has a foil in the opposite conference, right? Like, I, I don't know who I would say the the Cowboys version. Of, uh, it's the Chargers. That's the, the, that's the Cowboys version of the AFC. How dare uh, you? But but um, I mean like the the people think that the Giants are the the Steelers, but they're not. The Giants are like the Bengals, or they're the Jets. That's probably the the way better comparison. They're <laughs> the Jets that that just got lucky twice. That's it. Uh
2: The Jets, yeah, the Jets who got lucky. So obviously, even worse to be the Jets. Poor Jets. Uh I wanted to say a couple more things, uh, RJ, before we wrap up here, just on Rodgers. I, I wrote an article for uh, Aaron Rodgers, that is. Wrote, uh, in case you didn't know who, who I met. Uh, I wrote this for Booting Green Nation. There's actually some NFC East angles to the Aaron Rodgers news in that uh, the NFC East teams will not have to face Aaron Rodgers now As all a of them. Bronco. right. Because, you know, there was a lot of speculation he could have been with the Broncos. Well, he, that will, the case. he
1: will face Washington this year, at
2: least. Well, I was going to get to that next. Still, my thunder. But yeah, that's the thing, though. Instead of every team having to play them, just Washington has to play them now. And that's a big deal because, I mean, if they get Jordan Love instead of Rodgers, like that would have been a really big break for them. Uh, especially like having the, you know, like everyone's like, oh, first place schedule, you know, the tougher. And yeah, it is, but not, not not, if one of the opponents loses Aaron Rodgers. So that's something to consider. Also, just like the NFC playoff picture, obviously, I mean, this is obvious, but like it's not getting any easier. Like the Packers are still going to be in contention, presumably for the number one seed or at the very least, even if they're dysfunctional, like we think they might be to some extent and this year might not be perfect. I mean, they're at least going to make the playoffs. Like we can, we can say that I think pretty confidently. Uh, so yeah. Those are just some things I I brought up. Again, you can look more at the article uh, on bleeding for some other ones, including how the Eagles might have more competition now for Deshaun Watson, because the Broncos not getting Aaron Rodgers could very much put the Broncos in the mix to get him. So uh, yeah, just some things to consider. And I don't think we're going to have to worry RJ about, Aaron Rodgers picking the Giants or Washington next year when presumably he will get his chance to pick a team that he wants to go to I, I don't think we have to worry about that and I don't think you have to worry about him coming to the Eagles I I, I don't foresee that happening but uh it's a non-zero chance if he gets to pick any team he wants
1: right so I we'll say I'll I'll add to this and I I have not read the article myself. So maybe this is in there, but we agree right now, right? Like, and there's a lot that will happen between now and March of 2022, but the most logical destination for him is Denver, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's important context. And I realize that now we live in this uh, 17th game world uh, where that derivation will happen more frequently than than it used to. But Mm -hmm. the fact that the NFC East plays the AFC West this year, if you do believe that Aaron Rodgers has a lot left in the tank, That's that like, this is the best possible scenario for Dallas, New York and Philadelphia fans in that Washington will play him this year. Uh, And I think that that helps the Cowboys more than anybody, as much as you hate to admit it. Um, And the fact that like, again, one of these teams will have to play him in the year that the NFC East plays the AFC West in the, the off uh, 17th game. But the fact that it's the longest possible period of time that you could go Without facing Aaron Rodgers, somebody who's very good and conceivably will be very good in Denver, um, so I think that that's a nice kind of you know bonus reaction to the fact that he returned to the Packers for the season. Especially assuming I mean, he ends up with Denver next year,
2: right? And which is a big assumption, you know, we don't know, but uh, that'll be the next step, though, of Aaron Rodgers owning the Cowboys is the Cowboys somehow getting to a Super Bowl by some miracle, and then Aaron Rodgers is beating them, ripping the hearts out of Cowboys fans. So I can't wait to see that one.
1: Well, you know, BLG, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Washington football team have all beaten the Denver Broncos in a Super Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles Mm. have not. So, just
2: putting that out there. (laughs) Also, I've never (laughs) lost to them, though. I mean,
1: (laughs) that is fair. Um, Okay. Uh, Oh, last thing, uh, because this happened... Just now, Malik Hooker, officially a member of the Dallas Cowboys, which, wow. seemed, which seemed obvious. Huge. Um, and the Cowboys were at 90 players for everybody wondering. Uh, we'll keep, have you covered on this uh, blog on the boys and all of our social channels. Uh, the Cowboys did place Mitch Hyatt on injured reserve, who has a knee injury. Uh, Mitch Hyatt was part of the five players who started on the pup list. So Mitch Hyatt now on injured reserve. Uh, Malik Hooker now on the Dallas Cowboys. All is good. All is well. Watch out. Best safety in the NFL.
2: I don't even know what to say. I'm and, just that's speechless. Where we, that, and
1: that's where we end. Once again, I speak for BLG. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot.